1: This week on the marketers report, Patrizio Spanoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery,
0: weighs in on building trust.
2: Monday, you know the place to be, it's the Monday Club, and joining me as ever, Tony Haggerty, that's who I am, is the Adidas original himself, Russell Boyce, and in the top left of your screen, the amazing Amy Canavan. How are you guys?
3: Great, Tony, mate. Good to be back here from the start of the show this week, you know.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes. You were sadly missed and fondly remembered last week, yes, indeed. Ah. Now... Scotland got a wonderful result at the weekend, and that was all good, all good. But the international breaks are all oh, they're, they're tough; they're a slog, aren't they? Because we miss our regular fix of of club football. And so, we're going to talk club football internationals aside. We'll talk club football. But we might bring it into because it. There's, there's a topic that we might discuss later on. Then we're going to jump in S- full steam ahead. Neil Lennon has been talking again guys in the press and you see the strapline there should Neil Lennon move on and stop the blame game. Now he said at the weekend that he was blaming others again for last season's failures. He said he could smell that the players were unfit and uh, and that they wouldn't some of them wouldn't play with them uh, play for them with injuries. You no know, all feeds into the this phrase lost the dressing room et al., And then he also said that he's an affinity with Israel eh, because he'd done a lot of deals with the Israeli agent, Dudu Dahan, brought brought a few players. People were saying that's just him touting himself for a job anywhere. Russell, do you think it is time that Neil Lennon just sort of backed away from the the cookie jar of Celtic, so to speak? And just sort of bygones. Because the more you hear and the more you read people are saying that he's tarnishing any legacy that he had, do you do you buy into that? Do you subscribe to that theory?
3: I think there's two sides. To it. I think when he's asked questions, he's got an obligation to answer them in any way. You know, that, you know, anyway, he's got the first-hand experience, but you cannot help feel that the narrative he's trying to spin is very one-sided in Neil Lennon's favour. You know, he seems to be on a self-preservation, you know, crusade right now that has went on for a few months and gets a bit tiring when you're a Celtic fan and you're reading it. And I think a bit predictable, would that be fair some of the things he's saying now are almost you're going, you knew he would say that Um, Mm. I suppose if he's going going to continue to be asked questions on his time at Celtic then he's got to answer them but I also think he's completely deflects what the reality of the situation was at Celtic and you know it's his job as the manager to get players fit and get players playing for him that is one of his you know One of his responsibilities as the Celtic boss is to do that. So I don't really share much sympathy with that when he had a fair crack at it. It didn't work out. I don't believe it's poor little Neil Lennon. As for the affinity with Israel stuff, I think the thing that disappoints me with that is you can't help... Neil Lennon's a smart man, and there's a bit of that that is deliberately alienating himself even further from what he knows is a huge percentage of the Celtic support they have you know, they'll wave a Palestine flag at the ground and things like that. And obviously, Celtic's been very proactive with that with sort of TIFOs and stuff. And I'm not really in the politics and that of the world, but I also think he'd have been acutely aware that that would have ruffled some feathers in the Celtic support and uh, still proceeded to do it.
2: John Keegan comes in and says, walk away, Neil, it's now history and you failed. I've been watching your facial expressions there. Amy. You're, you're going to come with me at some point? You're going to to pitch me a low ball here, aren't they? What's your thoughts?
4: It's just time to step away now, isn't it? Um, I understand what Russell's saying. If you're asked the question, he's got every entitlement to answer it. But sometimes um, just just saying nothing speaks speaks higher volumes. I think a while ago there was an article in the Celtic Way. Um, I think it was by Old Form Fact, and it was almost like Neil Lennon, like take a leaf out of Alan McCoy's book. And it was it's kind of going by that when post eyebrokes for McCoy, he just kind of like went under the radar a little bit, it was a little bit quiet, it didn't really ruffle too many feathers and then just then got his way back in the commentary and punditry and all of that. But he went quiet and he stooped quite low. Lennon needs to, needs to take a leaf out of that book and that's kind of just emulating what, what that article is because does any Celtic fan really want to hear what Lennon says right now? I'll be honest, I don't and I don't know many that would And the comments that he's coming out, Russell's spot on that it is just so predictable, you know he's coming out and saying, oh I could smell that in the preseason that the players weren't fit and that guys like Scott Brown and Callum McGregor, true professionals are getting dragged down by, by other players, obviously not naming these other players but why couldn't he get a tune out with these players then they were his players, it's his situation and I know he's liking to play the the Covid card because um, again, he, he also said, you know like Uv didn't win the title, PSG in, in Liverpool and all of that but don't focus on others, you, you just have to focus on yourself um, and he was in a prime position and I'm not saying he can just employ people willy-nilly but you know, if the the, the fitness isn't there, demand that the club get somebody in, you know, get a, get a sprinting coach in or, or get a, new, a nutritionist in, anything that you think as the manager that you should be forward thinking enough to think if these guys could make an influence in a historic season, you know, I'm if he had such a great relationship with the club and the officials that he says that he does, um, then, you know, surely, surely maybe we'd have got that leeway. But to now play the blame game, or to continue to play the blame game, is just prime Lennon right now.
2: Old Highland Paddy, making a bold statement here. He says, can Lennon just stop talking to the press about Celtic now, as most of us just want to move on and try to forget he was a player and manager at Celtic? I don't subscribe to the second part of that, but I subscribe to the first part, Russell. Move on and just stop talking about what happened last year at Celtic. Um, I'm firmly in Jim's camp. Jim Orl's camp with that. We move on, but I don't think yeah you can forget about his time as a player and a manager at Celtic. I think that's a bit, a bit harsh. Let's shall we say that?
3: Yeah, I think as well though for for people like Highland Paddy not to be thinking that it would be in Neil Lennon's interest to do what Highland Paddy advised <laughs> at, the, at the start. <laughs> if he takes a step away. Highland, Paddy may come round in a few years to go, do you know what, we did have some good times in that first spell when Lennon was there, we did have some great memories of him as a player, some, you know, iconic memories, you know, that you can look yeah. back on fondly in isolation from you know, whatever you know, that second spell in charge was which, let's be honest, <laughs> that isn't something that anyone's fond to remember or anything like that, but yeah, I, do, I, I don't think, I think with the McCoy thing, I kind of get what Amy meant. McCoy did seem to come away for TV duties for like a year. The only caveat to that I would say is I think McCoy was well aware, you know, that the horse had bolted and he wasn't going to be a manager again, oh, right? Totally.
4: And it's that, just because it was in the article, yeah, it's just the article, obviously.
3: Yeah. And I think, I think Lennon's got crazy ambitions still, but I'll probably still thinks he could be going straight to the EPL, you know? I generally think he yeah. think there's a chance of that sort of thing. So I think he's in a position where he's got to be touting himself more um, for jobs and he's got to be in the public eye more because he's still got probably less of a realisation than McCoy's did that his his career in management was over. Although for me, if Neil Lennon is wanting to pursue his managerial career, then I don't think it'll be the level he thinks it'll be at. Yeah.
2: David Clines comes in. What did Lennon do about players who were fit and refused to play? Nothing. It was his fault. Why do the fit players not want to play for him? That is the bigger question.
4: But the yeah. thing I think is... It's is really
2: well, it. It,
4: yeah. well, that's it. And it's it's not the first time that this has happened, you know. And the comments, about a few comments coming in, I'm sure. You know, Ronnie Dyla kind of initiated exactly the same thing that he came in and the players, the fitness wasn't wasn't up to scratch. So, you know, there's one persistent here, um, and that's Lennon. You know, he's the only, like, he's the common denominator of both spells. So... You know, if Lennon can't get the best out of the players, then it, it's on him, and that's what that's what we're saying. You know, he was in that prime position; they were his players. You can't now just say, "Oh, you could smell it." Well, do something about it, then.
2: Yeah, I think we'll do it bold, Paddy. Highland Paddy says, and we'll move on. Yeah, okay. Well, one more comment as flicked up by the boss man. I've no interest in Lennon. <laughs> but there you go. It's time when the club is over. Move on, folks. I think that's that's a a wise juncture to step off this train, Russell, don't you yes.
3: think? Agreed, yes. Tony, totally agreed. What's up next, my man? <laughs> well,
2: I'll tell you what's up next. Roger Mitchell. Remember Roger Mitchell? Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, he had an article in the Celtic, way. Well, funnily enough, and he was talking about ownership of Celtic. Now, Roger was saying he's a former SPL chief executive and he's spoken about a a need for change at Celtic change of direction and he wants to give these good people what they deserve is what he said was a big takeaway from that and he was saying so we're asking, are we seeing the roots of revolution at Celtic? Would Roger Mitchell be someone that you'd like to see involved in that Russell if it comes to fruition? Do we need fresh ideas at the club?
3: I think it's a very interesting name that he seems to appear whether it's been like a controversial tweet he's put up or something like that every <laughs> sort of few years. sporadically you see his his name crop up. I remember him from like the SPFL. I always remember like the SPL TV thing that you. That I think he was the was sort of his brainchild. I think so. I
1: think
3: when I look back, to that he obviously had innovative ideas. And the one good thing was, you know, the SPL when he was in charge of it was going. On an upward trajectory, no two ways about it. I think when he was in charge, Aberdeen had spent a million pound on a player. Think about, forgive us, Paul Bernard. Is Paul Bernard,
2: it was, yeah, yeah,
3: mm-hmm. a one million pound player. You've seen Hibbs bringing in the likes of Frank Souza when Mitchell was at the SPL. So, whatever it was being sold, or whatever its re- reputation was, to players across, you know, the UK and and further wide, you know, you're thinking like it was drawing in names, albeit I know that is balanced out with the wages being paid were perhaps unsustainable by clubs. But I do think he had some sort of forward-thinking attitude. I think he was definitely an innovative sort of person. Not everything can work out. We all know that the SPL TV deal actually ended up being... Um, it got gazumped, didn't it? It
2: um, being a fraction, didn't it? Because I think Roger was involved in you know, scuppering the Sky deal, wasn't it? Yeah. And our boss man spoke to his off before we came on and he said Richard Keyes did a very good article and he was blaming Roger, Roger Mitchell for the you know, the, the Sky deal being eventually lowballed when they had a, a huge deal in the offing. Amy, is Roger Mitchell someone you would welcome with open arms around Celtic? Or do you think he's maybe somebody who you can bring to the table because he's a man with ideas? Or should he stay ensconced in Lake Como, which is a wonderful part of the world, you know? Mm-hmm.
4: Well, I know best just through Twitter and those sporadic tweets that um, that Russell refers to, that's kind of my knowledge on him. I think he was just like, I think I was just too young at the time that obviously he was in, yeah. in the SPL. Um, he would definitely give this current board a scare. There's no denying that. Um, and, you know, the question that's hidden right now, you know, do we need change at the top? I think that's what it is. Well, I think that's pretty obvious. Um, and if he's the completely different avenue to go down, then you can't say that um it's not a change. because um, it's going to be completely different to what it is right now. It's again, it's it's a, I think it's a crazy one the last few days. I don't think many people would expect him to come out and say what he said. Um, and if I would want him to be in the man, I'd, I'm not 100% sure, to be honest, but there, there is a need for change for sure. Um, and if it is to be Roger Mitchell, then, like say, it's that total different avenue.
2: Celtic, desperately need new ownership. Dermot, there's his way past his sell-by dates, says Jonathan Brown. i tell you what Roger has been, uh, Russell. He's been very vociferous in his support for Celtic, which yes. maybe a lot, a lot of people didn't know about him when he was the SPF SPL chief executive. You know, it's so
1: that's, know.
2: that's maybe the, the mindset might change. As you were talking about the Highland Paddy with Neil Lennon, you can, if he stops talking, then maybe later on down the line, you'll you'll reflect back on him. You no, know, well, you know, so the same thing could be now said of Roger Mitchell. People might have had their opinion of him then, but now hearing his public utterances, seeing his tweets as Amy anyway, on social media, they might think this guy might have something to bring to the table.
3: No, well, it always helps if you are actually a Celtic fan. I think definitely that's one way to to get the supporters on side. And he has been consistently sort of reminding us, you know, <laughs> obviously where his allegiance lies on the old Twitter sphere. Um, but he's always raised quite interesting points. I wish I could think of some off, you know, you know, to hand. But he he always does kind of catch your attention when he does a sort of detailed tweet or a thread. You tend to read it, um. So suppose that gives him a wee bit of, you know, kudos there, definitely. Right? It does he does catch your attention. He clearly knows how football operates, he knows how football works. Um, as long as he's not sat still for the last twenty years and still very much would need to have his finger on the pulses, the evolution of football, I think, has changed. I think it's been even speedier than what it has, you know, in the last decade and what it was at the time Roger was involved in such a high profile position. I think football's changed drastically in the last decade. So it would very much it would need to be something that he still has his finger very much on the pulse of, as I say, as opposed to uh, a sort of fleeting interest in, because when something moves at such a rate of knots all the time and evolves at such a rate of knots, it can be very easy to be left behind. Ask yeah. the uh, the topic of our first conversation all about <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> now, Liam Caller comes in and says, question is who's going to have the finance to put? Then Desmond shares out of Celtic. As I say, the takeaway from Roger's kind of spiel in his article was give these good people what they deserve. Now, that's a, an appeal to the emotional hearts and minds of Celtic supporters, if ever there was one, wasn't it? Because your intrigue is, is obviously there now. You, mm-hmm. you, you want to say, well, tell us more. What's your plans? What would your approach be? What do you think needs to happen?
4: Absolutely, it's a very savvy kind of way to put it across, isn't it? It's, um, you know, it's like dangling that little bit of carrot on the end of the stick, get the intrigue there um, and, like, like you say, show us a little bit more than what what have you exactly got to offer? What are the plans here? And it just keeps everybody, you know, it keeps it keeps everybody right now talking about Roger Mitchell, which which is always going to be a great thing because then it keeps it keeps that narrative going, um, and then the questions will keep getting asked. And there's no denying it; people will start chucking about their own ideas of what actually that means. And you know, these guys listen to it all as much as they give it out. They listen to it all, so that they'll gauge the room, read the room.
2: And it's funny, our very own Kevin Graham comes in and, and I was kind of thinking this myself in the darkest recess of my mind. There's a need, need for a change, a big need for change, but Roger Mitchell has a faint whiff of Jim Kerr, and Kenny Wish in the late 90s about it. What say you to that, Russell? And then Glasgow yeah. comes in and says, Willie Hockey should be part of any new Celtic ownership. I think Willie Hockey would love to be part of any new Celtic ownership, to be fair. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I mean, I think... There's going to be questions asked right now of the present ownership, and then that leads to speculation about who it, who could potentially come in. The only way to prevent that is to run the club better, you know, either, whether it be the custodians that are there right now, or whether it be someone else. And these conversations only come up when the when the supporters feel that the club's not been run in the di- or going in the direction that they hope it, or think it should be, or know it should be. Even I think um, right now there's obviously still. Positions that need filled, obviously the Don McKay thing is now looking more and more bizarre by the minute because mm-hmm. how he was only there seventy two days. How have we not even been remotely linked with a replacement for him of any kind? I think it was only they've just put in that the guy that from within the club there. And then there's obviously got to be a there's got to be a space now at the club for someone else to come in. They can't just keep reshuffling the pack of what they've got when it's not working. So I find all that a wee bit Strange, I'm not meaning a like for like replacement for Don Mackay, but surely there's still a space now where it's been filled, the, the role's now been filled. I, I know we've brought in like a sports side, but I think at boardroom level, is there not someone from the boardroom level that's now the you know, the chief exec if you like from where Don McKay and Don Mackay had left? So I just think that right now the club aren't gonna settle for the same old names playing musical chairs. It's not how it's gonna work. And bringing back Gordon Strachan, I think, um, into whatever his role is on a temporary basis, I don't think really inspired the supporters either. And again, we all know the sort of ties he's got at Celtic. I, I would like to think someone fresh, someone new has to be involved in there. But of course, the argument may well be that look at the examples you've got of that now. When people new come in, they either don't get back properly in the case of Ange, or they leave within 72 days in the case of Mackay. It's not really a great selling point, is it, for people are wanting people to come in, Tony? You know what I mean?
2: Miko Karen comes in, Amy, and says, you need a path to fan ownership. Do you believe that's the way forward?
4: I think it's interesting. It's a model, obviously, that's taken hold a lot more across um, across European football. I'd probably be more inclined to see how it works out for a few more clubs before Celtic really go down that path. Um and just kind of sit back. That's maybe the coward's way out of it. It's, um I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not completely sold on the idea yet. Like, I understand and I, I agree with the going, you know, for the fans and, and everything like that. But it's a massive, massive job to to uptake. And I think it's the logistics of it that I'm just not 100% convinced on yet.
2: Yeah. I'm also, I, I agree with Russell to an extent about it's not. It's, it's a hard sell for new people to come in, isn't it? You know, especially when you have a manager there who doesn't have an assistant manager. You don't have a, an operating CEO, DOF, or you don't have someone who's scouting players. So these are all kind of positions that you see Russell that need filled. And, uh, you know, someone with fresh ideas is fine, but they're going to have to deal with all these blocks in front of them yeah. straight away, right in front of them straight away before they even attempt to do it any kind of fresh approach with with Celtic in the way and steering the good ship Celtic in the direction that they think that it should be steered in and as you say, the fans think it should be but I uh, am in agreement that the fans are worried that they're not going to be successful and I think that's why the kind of focus is on the board isn't it? And they, They worry about the next few years and where we're going and where we're headed and they worry about the manager not being backed with his own staff and you know, the lack of quality players coming in. There has been a few quality players, but all these kind of things. And that I think that's why we have these conversations every now and again, isn't it, about the board? Because if everything was ticking along nicely, Celtic had won 10 in a row and they were going into this season probably as the favourites to win the £40 million bounty that's at the end of this season, know they would be batting an island, really, would they? It's as simple as that, Tony. I think
3: you're absolutely spot on. Um, I think, you know, obviously fans can be fickle that way. I think it's easy to to criticise when things aren't going well and then easy to, you know, just take your eye off off the ball when things are going well as opposed to holding it to the same levels of scrutiny. But unfortunately, that's just the way football fans work. And right now, as you rightfully say, we're going into a season, Tony, well, we're in a season now, but we aren't favourites for the title. We aren't favourites for the 40 million bounty. It's a simple fact. And... The people at the top, considering the advantage they've had over the last decade, for it to get to this stage is actually shocking. Now, think about it as well. In those 10 years that we we had dominance, there never was a 40 million guaranteed bounty. Yeah. The one time it is, the irony would be your neighbours who need the cash come and, come and take it and win their second title on a row. I mean, to me, there's got to be eyes on the top level at Celtic for that, and therefore, as I say, I'll come back to what, albeit Roger Mitchell might be of the of Jim Kerr and and things like that, but, I mean, names like Roger Mitchell will come up because Mm. what the real question is, is are we happy with who's running the club right now? And if we can't do anything about that, naturally speculation will start when Roger Mitchell makes flippant comments or whatever in the nature that he did recently or even in the article that he did. Um, That's going to lead to more... Strong speculation about a potential incoming because people aren't happy with what they've currently got. Yeah.
2: And Paddy Lavery from Leftfield comes in and says, is the award night awards night this week? Yes, it is, Paddy. It's in London on Thursday. Axon will be there because we're up for three awards. Thank you for the reminder. Now, we shall move on and we will talk about international football, but we'll talk about it in a kind of different sense, right? Now, we're talking about the, the, the break that's just been in, and kind of coming to an end. But do you think Ange used this as a, a refresh, Amy? Do you think he, he had the time to hit the refresh button after that ugly win at Aberdeen, but a vital away win, which kept Celtic on the coattails of those at the top and you know put a real feel-good factor into everybody before the, the international break came?
4: It's. Um, I think right now i will probably just be praying that everybody comes back unscathed. It's not the longest um, international break going. Um, obviously Scotland play again tomorrow, but then after that, that will East Scottish base players back, and there'll be a few others fleeting throughout the week now. Um, but you've got to you've got to try and take the positives out of it. And yeah, a refresh. I'll, I'll absolutely. I've been a part of that a couple of days through to really analyse. But I don't know. It seems quite quick since the last one. Um, the last one was only. Like mid September, so it doesn't feel that long since um, since since he he had that break. So to be honest, for him, I reckon it probably came at the worst time. It's obviously great going into it on the back of a win. It's always a lot better and a lot easier going into it on the back of a win. But you know, in the same sort of breath, you'll just want to carry that momentum going. So, like I say, right now, you're definitely just wanting. Every player, you know, to, to come back in full strength, a successful campaign for, for most is obviously doing them good as well. But a refresh is tough because, you know it's almost like less and less Celtic players are actually going away on international duty. I don't know how many there is this time, but it's always when they do that graphic, you know, when you see like, oh, where are the Celtics going? Um, there's not that many. So he'll still have the bulkiest players there. Um, maybe perhaps not the, the stars or the starters, whatever you really want to call them, but um, it'll perhaps give them a little bit more time to focus on the other players.
2: Also, Russell, tomorrow, quarter past 11 in the morning, I believe... Japan play Australia. So I think a lot of Celtic supporters' eyes will be on that one and hoping and praying that Tom Rogic and Kyogo are at opposite ends of the field to each other and don't come anywhere near each other uh, if they play at all. Yeah, I mean, these are the kind of worries. But I mean, it has been, as Amy said, they're a chance maybe to hit reset and maybe try and work with the players that he's got there. And maybe there's not as many international players away on duty, Celtic players, as that is.
3: No, I hear what you're saying there. I also think the international break, we went in in a good place into the break. You know, we got a good result. Players are going to be feeling upbeat. Those that are are not away on international duty, that are sticking around, are going to be 1%, 2% more invested in the ideologies of Ange on the back of that victory Mm -hmm. than what they perhaps were before. So it's all, they're, they're in there for two weeks in a positive frame of mind positive mindset from top to the bottom on the training ground so hopefully he can implement his ideas he's, he, he has bemoaned the fact i think at times that you know he's been playing two games every four days pretty much since he started when's he had a couple of weeks you mm-hmm. know straight run at it to to work on shape even since he got the job such were the early nature of the the Champions league qualifiers so he's probably whilst yeah i understand momentum's a huge thing in sport right and you've got the momentum, you get a, your first away win of the season, bring on the next game, make it tomorrow if you can, you know, and I get all that, but I also think, Ange might be relishing, two weeks yeah. training during time, and he might be relishing, looking at, Gia, Giacomacchus, get, getting him ease back in, you know, he might be ready now to go, do you know yeah. what I mean, looking at Liam Scales, he's continually said, Liam Scales isn't ready yet, I've found that hard to understand, if I'm honest, um, as the guys played a lot of football, You know, of like in 2021 as well, Um, and at a decent level when you consider the European exploits, Liam scales as well. So I've never really worked that one out. Hopefully, the two weeks have ironed that out, and Ange can then just make a judgment call whether it's a yes or a no, whether he's in the team. I don't like it being based on the fact he's not ready. Um, And yeah, I think there's a couple of other players in there that Ange has maybe had an opportunity to have a closer look at. Uh, And then you've got other situations like the famous photo of Montgomery and Ralston in the center circle, you know, when they should have been it should only have been one apparently when it's inverted fullbacks. But I remember we were playing Leverkusen that night, so I'm not that keen with either of them being in there. But anyway, that's for that's a different debate. But maybe it's a chance to work with those younger guys, Montgomery and Ralston, neither called up for their country and go, Here's how the system works, guys mm-hmm. and get it drilled right into them through repetition and having more chances on the training ground to do so. So hopefully it's been a positive to Hopefully it's not lost too much of that momentum. And actually, he's just carried on the good place we left for and actually been able to implement some more of his tactical noose onto the team.
2: Well, when we're picking up on something that you said, which was quite interesting, you said it didn't seem that that long since we had the last international break. Now, Thibaut Courtois of Real Madrid and Belgium fame, he's he's criticised for UEFA, he says we're playing too much international football. That would seem to back up your thoughts as well about it.
4: People
1: it was only
2: like a few weeks since yeah. we played international football.
4: It's obviously, it's great when everything's going right for Scotland. Um, you can bring that round as quick as you want. But, you know, I was, um, it's funny because I was actually having that discussion last night. I came in from work and, you know, flipped on, it was obviously the Nations League final and it was yeah. France um, v, v Spain. So, uh, say, say to my brother, I was like, so when did they catch up with their World Cup qualifying games, you know? Um, so obviously Belgium are part of that as well for the Nations League finals. It's So there, it's just that another added tournament, really, in the midst of a qualifying campaign for a World Cup and then in the year that they've just had the Euros. So I understand from Courtois' perspective then you know that's like three competitions you're basically trying to juggle right now. Um, and when it's at the top of the Nations League, it's obviously... For, for Scotland the Nations League is and I'm just taking it from a Scottish or an Irish perspective then it's also it's just another avenue really to try and secure playoff positions for Euros World Cups that's basically because you're never going to work your way up to A1 or whatever it is but right now f- for those top countries you know you look at it last night so obviously the France get that rather controversial uh, winner late on mm-hmm. come back from one night down Um and then it's kind of like, well, yeah, we should celebrate because that's, I think, they even said, you know, they're the first country to do this, you know, trio of, of um, international tournaments. Well, it's obviously because it's the first time. Well, it's the <laughs> second time for the, the nations of so Portugal a few years ago. But it's kind of like, what do they get? What is it? Um, mm-hmm. it's a title but it's not the same as an international tournament obviously because you only end up playing I don't know like five six countries by the time you end up getting into the finals as well so it's a tricky one and for that I feel it's a little bit unnecessary um, and it'd be interesting you know if the top countries would they really want to be playing those games just to have another a little bit of silver at the end of it um, obviously I'm still for your country that's a, that's a massive honour but is it more one of these things that are just greater as being a path for countries like Scotland and, and Ireland to maybe, you know, secure another playoff position for a, a major tournament? Because is this really a major international tournament? I think it's quite hard when it's so new. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one.
1: It's the Marketers Report. Not just a media company. iHeart Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Feeling stuck in your current job? Looking for a career pivot? Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy. With MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash Smith School. University of Maryland, Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable.
2: Now, going back to Celtic in terms of the international break. Kenny67 comes in Russell and says part of Andy's refresh should have been to get his own coaches in. The facts, track, and Kennedy are still there. is ridiculous. They should be hunted. Seems to be a popular view amongst Celtic supporters. No, but Ange is kind of. He's had those two weeks, and I always think that managers always love the benefit of an international break to get work into their players on a training ground, which is where he seems the happiest.
3: Couldn't agree more, Tony. I think though you've got to agree with the comment to an extent. How much easier and how much quicker can you implement? The tactics you're trying to over the two week period say they're working, there's an area they need to work on. This could all be done so much easier with two or three other guys already fully subscribed members of Angie's way. You know, Angie's mm-hmm. philosophy. We'll not say Angie want I get loads of mm-hmm. nonsense comments about it all mm-hmm. around. Um, but yeah, I just think if you had three guys behind him, uh, you know, who can back up his philosophy, then you can implement change quicker. And it is very peculiar that still we. Go on with that situation at hand. I find it absolutely weird, and you, you've got to believe, you've got to hope at the very least that and just trying to force their hand and giving him some backroom stuff. I I do find it odd that they're still are yeah. still in that that current situation. I oh. thought it might have changed over the international break. If I'm honest, I yeah. thought there might you might have seen a bit of movement with that, and maybe you know like we've seen with the sports science uh, uh, person brought in. It was kind of low key done. I think I I kind of expected, maybe during the international break, right, there's a first-team coach being added, you know. I I just find it odd that he's still on his own. And at times, maybe backfield feels like he's batting his head against, you know, a, a brick wall when he's trying to implement his ideas. He maybe feels the same when he's trying to get the message across to the board. I don't know. But right now, it just looks very odd that a manager is in a position in complete isolation, the same way his predecessor was, And he's had a bit of a ropey start, to say the least, in the league so far.
2: You do feel for him in that sense, don't you, Amy? That he seems to be fighting a a lone crusade, to use a word that Russell used earlier.
4: Absolutely. If it's not what he's wanting, but, you know, it's it's tough. Who's to say that he definitely wants anybody in? Um, You know, I just... I remember, like, listening to J- to Jared, obviously, he was just on again just a few weeks ago. Um, I think he was on mute wasn't he? Um, mm-hmm. But he came on it right at the beginning and he was like, you know, everything takes that year, you know, that for for perhaps, like, a apparent success, but also that year for him to really get his his guys in order as well. So I don't know if right now he is more than just comfortable, you know, kind of getting used to his surroundings before he figures out the right people to bring in. Um obviously from right now because obviously we know that, that Strachan and Kennedy were part of last year from our perspective I think most Celtic fans want them out but perhaps he's just trying to he ooze everything out of them that he, he possibly can and then in, in a year at, at the end of the season or, or whenever it may be then he brings in his own guys thinking that he's got enough out of you know basically used Kennedy and Strachan enough and I know that doesn't sound the nicest way to put it but you know what I mean
2: well, we watch this space with interest Now Russell, you mentioned a guy there When we were talking about the international break George's Giacomacchus The lesser spotted in the Celtic jersey You know, I think all the Celtic supporters are really desperate To see what George Giorgius brings to the table Now, big questions are When he comes in and he finally proves his fitness You can't dislodge can you Go from that team To accommodate Giacomacchus, can you?
3: No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. I don't think that that goes without saying. I've been banging the drum for a few weeks now and I'll bang it again. I think when we're at home and you look at the chances we've created, the actual goal conversion rate of that isn't that amazing in terms of how many chances we've created. I think it was 108 shots shots in in three games at one point we'd done, Um, which I think, by the way, completely taints the old XG argument as well when you take those three matches out how many chances, you know, have we been creating? But anyway, that's a different story. I would like to think that if we can create, for example, like we did, I think it was Dundee, 36 shots, mm-hmm. I would like to think we would con- would score more with two up top. I mm-hmm. believe that firmly. You know, yeah. it might actually be that you create a few less chances, but you're converting more of them because you got two forwards in the park. Quite clearly, if we're creating in some of our home games as many as 36 shots, we have a, you know, a wealth of creativity on the park. You know that that, that can do that. Minus one of them, put on someone else with an eye for goal, and it might actually be more ruthless wins that you see. Um, I'm not against Jack uh, is playing a uh, starting role for Celtic, but it'd be with Kyogo, not instead of him. I think what Kyogo brings to the party is just, you know, it's just immense in terms of not just his goals, his movement, his work rate. And of course what he brings with the press as well, because when he presses, Celtic press properly. When he wasn't there, Celtic didn't look like they knew to me how to press properly.
2: Now we may I go back to Martin O'Neill's time when he he successfully managed to pair him two from three, certain Hansen and Larson, and it always seemed to work regardless of what combination he picked. I'm a strong advocate of four four two. I think Jim Orr was talking about it on Friday as well. Play the two of them, at centre forward. And get your wide men to supply two centre forwards with the ball. Yeah. It will be surprising the amount of goals you might score when you do that. Kyogo cannot be touched. No putting them out to the left or the right. No. You know, through the middle with a partner. You know, big guy, wee guy. I think that could, and it probably suits Celtic style at this minute the way they're attacking. I don't know your thoughts. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's the way I see it moving forward. If if they can, if Jacka can prove he's fit, it's
4: kind of what what we've alluded to over the last few weeks. You know, it's that other option, really. Um, you know, to to be able to then switch things up and and have the two of them. It's interesting because who who do you then do you drop if if you wanted to go to a four four two two four four two twenty? Who would you be dropping? Uh, that's
2: the big question. I, I, I I'll leave that to the manager <laughs> because, because I would get stuck probably for saying whatever, but telling them what to do. These are the questions a manager can make, you know. But no, nah, I, I guess um, I would try to think who I would drop. Uh, let me think about that, and I'll get back to you. I oh um, well, so,
4: um, But it is, it's you know, two up top. It, it's interesting, and you want Celtic to be scoring goals, you know, and two up top with those periods, especially. I'm certainly expecting that to, to happen. I I like it as well. I um, but going by obviously what we've seen right now, it's not going to really be part of this the system where it certainly doesn't appear it. But I can see right now probably Yakamak has been used either, you know, a game's kind of done um and you just want to protect Kyogo when they're still chasing a game. Um, and you're looking for perhaps a big physical striker up top. That's perhaps where I see more Yakmas Mac is coming in. But the other thing is, you know, Celtic they're going to go into this this winter period. We you know when have to start entering cup competitions as well. Now that the calendar's going to get very very busy. So as much as you want your best players to be playing all the time, and we do, and I know the players themselves want to play all the time. But sometimes you've got to be that little bit wise, and you've got to protect your own players as well. So Kyogo is so important. You know, you look at the last four weeks or whatever that we had without him, and it was. It was scary. So you're thinking in those games, you know, it's rotation, and that's when I see Yakumakas yeah. coming in. But there's no way that if Kyogo does play with Yakumakas, that it has to sacrifice Kyogo going out to the wide. That just that is something I never want to see again. Um, but so the two up top, I'd i definitely like to see it.
2: Yeah, F and JC comes out I got that right this time. I was I don't know what I was trying to say the last time, but Russell correct me on that. I can only see (laughs) Jack and Marcus getting used when we need to chase a game going direct. He's talking about going direct, Russell. Do do you see that yourself?
3: Um, I I don't think we've seen enough of him to say that that's the only way we can play when he's playing. I I don't think that's completely fair. Um, As I said to you before, obviously, we've only got YouTube reels at this point. Unfortunately, I didn't attend many Iru games during the lockdown. You know what I mean? Last season, so I've not I've not seen I've not seen 90 minutes of uh, GG yet. But <laughs> what I did like from the YouTube view was there seemed to be a complete variety in the type of goals he scored. Yeah. So if if he's got variety in the types of goals he scores, some used deft skill, some used physical power, some had strikers' instinct. Now, of course, I know it's a highlights reel, and that doesn't mean what he's done through the 90 minutes. But I would like to think they're transferable skills to the rest of the play on the pitch. And therefore, he may well be a striker that can go, get in behind. Because some of his goals, he was in behind defences in one-on-one yeah. situations. Other goals might be where we've went long and he's actually done the hold-up work for little cue goes done a, a run-off from him. That's fantastic. But I I wouldn't... I'd be loath to label him with just sort of, you know, one style of play will suit him just quite yet. I think we might be pleasantly surprised with the the bag of tricks that Jack Marcus comes with. I think he might be able to, to alter his play depending on what the, the situation and what the, the manager's instructions are.
2: I think the three of us and all the Chelsea supporters are agreed, though. We just want to see him, don't uh, we? <laughs> we just want to see what he brings to the table, Amy, don't we?
4: Absolutely. You know, that's what... You sign a guy for you want to you want to see it as Russell says. You can watch all the, the YouTube reels, the, the Twitter reels, as much as you want, but until you see him in Celtic flesh, um, or see him in flesh in a Celtic shirt, sorry, um, that that's where the not the judgment, but that's where you know you start to get an idea of exactly what you, what kind of player you've got in your hands.
2: Now another player that divides opinion amongst the Celtic supporters is is Neil Beaton, and. He did pretty well against Aberdeen up until he got taken off and he he lost a header or Lewis Ferris managed to lose him in the box and score a header for equaliser. But, I mean, people were saying that he played very well for Israel against Scotland. Again, that's a proffered opinion. But do you think he can fit into this Ange team as a number six? Or do you think his time has come and gone at Celtic, Russell?
3: I, I I personally don't see him becoming anything more than what he currently is at Celtic, and I think that wouldn't surprise me if that goes on for another season or two. But <laughs> I still think it wouldn't. I, I think he's probably not on the biggest wage in the world at Celtic. I don't think it'd be shockingly yeah. bad either, but I don't think it'll be it'll be crazy out with our parameters to be paying for someone as an able backup. But please let that be as a backup holding <laughs> midfielder. And not as a centre back. I know he played centre back for Israel again. Scotland scored three goals, and yet he apparently played not too badly. Yeah, that and, was. Like, that's
2: what I couldn't get in my head. You know. So. You know
3: what I mean? And I think I think that's the thing. Beaton You're you're judging him at a different standard other defenders because you know deep down, you think he's not really a defender. So you go, oh, he did all right there, but really, I don't think I don't think he's held the same standard. A star for example, has been so far this season. In terms of the midfield role, we're going to need him between now and January at the very least. That's the very least. I still think if we bring in a reinforcement in the midfield in January, uh, that near Beaton will still be sort of around the place as someone to, you know, make... I think what he showed at Pataudry is, OK, it was a start that he did, and perhaps he faded after the hour mark and that's why he'd be off. But he's not started many games, so fair enough. Certainly not in midfield. But I think the other way around... You look at Nier Beaton coming on for the last 20, 30 minutes. If he can snap out his silly petulance at times that he's shown in the last couple of years, you know, in big moments, but if you think you can get that out of him, then what he brings to the team is that balance, that stability, and could help Celtic see out games, which, as we know, has been a cause for concern at times so far this season. So, yeah, I think Nier Beaton's future at Celtic is relatively safe for now. But it won't be, Tony, for me as, as a
2: 1st 11, you know, regular. Just a bit part player. Strange love the doctor comes in, Amy. Beaton's passing is his best attribute. And then says he plays some scary balls against Scotland. You're nodding your head in agreement and smiling. He, Brian Murphy, Beaton's a good squad player. I think we're all kind of singing from the same hymn sheet there, aren't we? That he's OK and he's maybe got a bit part, you know, he's a bit part player for Celtic moving forward.
4: Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, on the back of the Scotland game to say, like, he played well or whatever exactly the words were. I was quite frustrated, kind of going back to that original comment, that why weren't Scotland players, you know, pressing on him? Um, When he he was in in possession of the ball, you know, I wanted Adams and Dykes to really be right on top of him because passing is supposed to be the quality, but it was a bit wayward. Um, So while he's in the defence and, you know, Getting further and further back and pushing himself back further to his own goal. That's where I'd have wanted you know Scotland to actually capitalise on that, and they didn't. So I think it's a bit weird to say that you know he probably played quite well. I don't think he was really put under that much pressure. I am, um, but no, at best he's a squad player. Um, obviously, I don't think anybody is really thinking that a way to go forward with Celtic is to be having near beat on, you know. If on the in the starting eleven or one of the first substitutes that you want to be making, that's not really where we're at, and it's certainly not a sign of progression. I don't think that like, you know. I think sometimes he's maybe came under a little bit too much flat, but other times it's been more than warranted. Um, and there's been times where his spells outside the the side has been totally and merited as well. So he's a very, very hot and cold player. He's a frustrating player as well because you think, you know, he's got that, that lethal pass on him or something like that. And he can go a, kind of, a few games. And then he always seems to get like a red card and then that sort of changes the narrative. So I think at best he really is as a squad player, but I don't want to be seeing him in the, the starting 11 anytime soon.
2: What brings you to the bigger picture then also about transfers and how successful we have been and where are the areas that we need to strengthen come January. You know? So I mean that's the big question, isn't it? What what does Ange what designs need to add to the squad in January?
3: Um it's interesting because the, once the squad's all fully fit, it's not as weak as what I think is made out at times, you know. I think he's got competition for places. If we go right through the team, uh, although Joe Hart's maybe the, the only one that you would say is a guaranteed starter as, as, as well as Kyogo up top. But we've got competition now for Kyogo's place in the form of Giacomacchus, more so than perhaps as says, yeah, he's going to push him.
1: It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: Um, You know, out wide we've got options now. I think maybe another winger though you would still look to bring in. Um, Set midfield area, Jays McCarthy's not had a run yet. If James McCarthy were to have a run between now and January, at some stage, then good luck convincing the board you need another centre midfielder. <laughs> no. I think people we'll forget who they're dealing with at times. You know, this board does not know to spend money in January. They don't do it. They bring in loans if they can make a sale. They might make a sale. I, I, I find it, you know. I think when Andrew looks across his squad, day, when we started the season, Ralston was probably, for example not going to be your backup right-back. Montgomery probably wasn't your first choice backup left-back, if that makes sense. Um, I know, oxymoron are first-choice backup. But you know what I mean? Uh, but they've actually kind of earned the right to be those backups now and, and, and fight for the jersey, you know, in both full-back areas. And to be honest, we always talk about the pathway, the development and all this about youth players, and then we completely contradict ourselves and say... No, we need to sign more players. You know, so it's, again, another example of football fans being fickle. I would say that the competition for places is relatively decent. I think he needs one or two, but my, my hunch is if we were to get one that and just pinpointed he'd be doing well, if he was then to get one or two lone players on top of that just to sort of beef up the squad for the second half and make a title campaign, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what we settled for.
2: Do you agree with that? you mean that do you think that Celtic will sign maybe one in January and a couple of loan signings, or do you think they'll maybe back ange?
4: I reckon one will probably end up being what it gets. Um I don't think that's what you'll want. I think you can already say that the way or it's it's quite clear to see already the way that he kind of talks about already looking forward to January um, and being another transfer window that he realizes he needs more than one. I think you're probably looking at three or four um, kind of in each section, pretty much off um, off the squad. In all honesty, except for for the goalkeeper position, but again, it's whoever it's whoever he pinpoints and whoever he gets is a a totally different um, ball game. It's a totally different conversation. And as Russell said, it's how much money he actually gets as well. Um, If he's going to be allowed to dip into the Japanese market again, which by all accounts, on you go. If this is, if the one shining example is Kyogo, then let this guy do whatever he wants over there. Um, So it's given, it's two very different questions as to who will and want and who will and get. Yeah.
2: Indeed. Now we'll finish with club football returns on Saturday. Yes! Yes! Southampton <laughs> to Firth Park, another away trip on the back of their last away success at Patoje, which put a smile on everybody's face. Amy, will the smile stay in your faces or will Ange tinker with a line-up and make any surprise changes and how do you think it will
4: go? I can be optimistic and hope that the smile remains. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to be a weird one um, because is the allocation has it been decided yet? Like, is it, so the red zone and all it like obviously that's been taken out now. So, is there going to be more Celtic fans?
2: Not not too sure about that. I was hoping that there would be. Yeah, and like obviously. I'm, so I'm
4: yeah, so there was hope that you know even more because of the the taking down of the red. I'm not actually 100 percent sure. Um, Motherwell.
2: That, that was my belief that that's what was happening when the red zones come down. You know.
4: So. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously it's it's another one. It's another ground. Obviously that Celtic, the majority will be will be Celtic fans. Um, Motherwell are a great club doing great things right now um and you know obviously there's the food bank running so I think there's a lot of things on Twitter exactly what what they're looking for alan Burrows has, has been tweeting that out so they're they're in a very good place right now and they're playing some decent football actually but you've got to have the hope that obviously everything comes back this week unscathed and everything goes into it well and it has to be a venue you know it's a tricky venue tricky pitch it's one of those small small grounds um but it's um well a three-1 win I say
2: the urban culture three one one essential. Yeah, there you go. What's your prediction, Amy? Are you going to trump that? We'll, we'll
4: go three one. I'll go three one as
2: well. Three we'll one as well. There also across the start line. It says, "Can Celtic achieve two away wins in a row at Park Park?"
3: Yes. Yes. I just won't go anyway, yeah. I think as I said before, you know, I like to praise Ange when he does well, Tony. That's the difference. You know, you don't just try and you know, sugarcoat every single mistake he makes. You've got to criticise when criticism, criticizes, criticism is due. You've got to praise him when praise is due. For me, I found the Pataudra win the most satisfying win of Angie's reign so far. Mm-hmm. You know, it was on a par with the AZ victory. Um, I think, that certainly domestically it was, it was a monkey off the back, as people say, with an away win. We did it in a slightly different style to what we'd became accustomed to. We changed the personnel in the midfield to adapt to what was needed at Pataudry, which was key. And I think if Ange can learn from that game, or had obviously learned going into that game, the things that he'd mixed up a little, um, um, absolutely, have no doubt, he will have learned again, even more so, to, to play the fixture. And that will happen again uh, against Motherwell at Far Park. I agree with Amy. I think the opposition... This weekend is really tricky. They're on a crest of a wave on and off the pitch. They're doing a lot of good things right now. Um, there will certainly be no no easy three points, but I think right now as well, let's, for once, not do one step forward, two steps back this season. Let's try and put some pressure on the rivals. Let's try and go right. I, I just don't like the fact, I still feel there's an air of well, even if we make a mistake, it's not the end of the world because they're not, they're not, you know, putting ramp in any pressure, you know, breathing down our neck, whatever way you want to put it. Whereas I think two away wins in a row changes the mindset a bit in both halves of the city. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to do. We need to let them feel a bit of heat. Why not get two away wins in a row now? It's October. Plenty of time to suss it out by now. Let's get two wins and let's start ramping up the pressure.
2: When the club comes in, Amy and says, Mother will have two weeks to prepare and we have twelve players on international duty, hence we need quality and depth. But do you share Russell's optimism that Celtic are more than capable of going to third part and racking up a second away win and starting to apply some title pressure?
4: Yeah, um it's it is going to be a tough game, you know, Motherwell are really strong at home. Um I think they got Neat by Hearts two 0 before the international break. So obviously, as, as the comments coming and saying that there's there's two weeks to prepare there. Um, so it's tough because they held Rangers one one didn't they? Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean. yeah, but I think as well they've had a win against Ross County. Um, in the midst of that as well, but their their home form is okay. It is really okay, and by all accounts, Graham Alexander's understood some really good things here as well. Um. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a tough venue. It's not an easy one, um, but you've got you've got to go in with a little bit of optimism.
2: One my you touched upon him as well, see Marvel running a food bank drive on the day, which is, as you say, an exemplary club doing wonderful things in the community and we played them for that. Russell, we spoke, uh, or three of us spoke, a couple of mummies ago, and the picture was less than rosy because we were talking about these three-away games coming up when we couldn't pick out which one we, we could win at that moment in time. Yeah. Now, as you say, praise when it's due. I'm now thinking that Celtic can win all three, right? And that's a bit of a flipping mindset. I think I think that's a real... The, the, the Aberdeen one was a real confidence booster. Yeah. I think there's no reason why they can't go to Vur Park and win, and then that'll set them up for the one at the end of the month against uh, Aberdeen and... If they come away from the the month having won all three, then you will see a change in the narrative and the mindset as well of the players and the manager. And there will be belief there and the pressure will be ramped up. That's fair to say.
3: Oh, you're spot on, Tony. Absolutely. I think whilst I wouldn't say, you know, I think we'll win all three at this stage, mate, but I I definitely feel a heck of a lot more confident than what we did a couple of weeks ago. The thing is, you've got to call it as you see it at the time. But it's an ever-changing script that we are trying to read on a Monday, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and certainly this season more than most, and last season. So, yes, I, I definitely I didn't think I would be sitting on the back of an away win at Pataudry then predicting that we'll actually go and get three points again at park. That, for me, shows signs that my head's turning to what I'm seeing on the pitch. Um, none more so than the, the, the win at Pataudry, albeit oh, the second half I felt, The home side were the better side for for percentages of it. We then, game management was good. We started the game with the right team. The second half, yes, we had a ropey 25-minute spell, but our quality shone through and we won and we dug out three points. Dug out being the sort of key terminology that we've not seen enough of this season. And I'm now beginning to think that that was potentially a huge turning point this year.
2: A watershed moment in the season. also as well, the substitutes worked, Damien which had been a previous criticism as well, of the manager that the substitutes were ineffective. That was a day when the substitute actually worked and did what he was supposed to do, with Tom Logic coming on and having a vital impact in the creation of the winning goal for Celtic. But so that's what you want to see, isn't it?
4: Absolutely. Um, and touching in, obviously, like you say, substitutions, because I think one of the players obviously that wasn't really... Hitting him with the heights that he's kind of being projected to, it's probably a badder. So, you know, you you look at kind of the whole predicament really of a right now. And obviously, I think everything really hit the ground running, and everyone's like, wow, look at this 19-year-old kid that we've really got on our hands. Here. We've got a real proper player on our hands here. And in the last few weeks, everything's just kind of dipped. And then going alongside to that, though, it's kind of married with, you know, him obviously being asked the question, but. Is kind of already been saying that look, I, I, I kind of want to be playing down south Liverpool's the dream and I know it was kind of a joking jest saying that oh, Mo Salah doesn't need to worry about me or, or anything like that right now um, but it's already, he's just in the door and he's kind of already going I think this is, I, I want to use this as a platform, it's not really great that a young guy comes in right away, I don't think, and he's already kind of admitting, yes, he's got a platform. Yeah, We all know we are a, a, a platform, but I don't think it's the best that you're, you're looking at your young guys who you've just signed and, and they're already saying that. I don't know about w- what you guys think, but I don't think it's the greatest stunt in the world.
2: Russell, you're, you're bugbear as Stepping Stone FC, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, you've you've touched upon that many times and I bad I did say it was his dream to play for Liverpool and he loves you'll never walk alone and all that and stuff. I mean, is that just impetuosity of youth? Being asked a question given a full and frank and honest answer, and not not realising the repercussions in terms of the Celtic supporters or where he's earning his club at the minute, you know.
3: Firstly, I agree with what Amy said. I mean, whilst we're all acutely aware that it is probably most of the squad's ambition to play for mm-hmm. a Liverpool or an EPL side and get all the riches that come with it and the prestige. Saying it's a different thing, I mean, of course we're not going to like to hear it. Two sides to it with a badder. I take your point. He's only just turned 20. I think people forget that, and they should maybe remember that when they talk about his form as well. Yeah. You know, I think a guy at 20, you know, hopeless in terms of that, I don't think really fair. I think if that was a Celtic player coming through at 20 right now, like a youth player, we would be raving about the talent that we had on our hands. So I would urge coaching you and go a wee bit easier on Nevada with his playing ability. As for the comment, youth, yes, definitely naivety there, 100%, you could say. Or flip it, and you are left with. How does he feel comfortable saying that? What was he sold this club? What terms was he sold the club on? What was the, the pitch that was made to him? And maybe he is just repeating what he was told in a nice fancy office when he signed his three and a half million transfer and he is, you know, that is the sort of attitude. Don't worry, you'll not be here long. You'll be gone in a a couple of years for a big hefty fee and he's only repeating a narrative that actually started at Celtic because to me, Abada's move to Celtic would have been pretty significant to him considering where the club he was coming from. It would be a pretty big move and I worry that we still are getting players over the line or or at least where on that basis of don't worry, you come here, you do well, we sell you on. Only need to look at and they just they pull out the reel of examples of players, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I hope I hope you're right, Tony, on that one that he was just, you know, naivety of being young and he said something that he's not really thought through properly and didn't have maybe as much meaning as us football fans want to read into it. My cynical side tells me that is the message from the top.
2: And on that cheery note, we shall end mm-hmm. the Monday Club. And remember, if you're watching on YouTube, just subscribe and you will get notifications when we're going live and then all the videos and all the platforms. And you can win a signed and framed Bobby Lennox print this month. Amy Canavan, thank you very much for your contribution. Russell Boyce, as ever, thanks a lot. And thank you, well, you all mean? for tuning in and watching. And thanks for your comments as well.